This is episode number 42 of the Invest for More Real Estate Show. My name's Carter and I am your host. And in this week's episode, we are changing up the format just a little bit. I know I was bringing you daily episodes. Time got away from me. I went on a vacation. I wasn't able to maintain it. So now what we are going to do for all my listeners, if there's any of you out there, what we're going to do is come at you with weekly episodes of the things that I've learned in the current or past week or what we're currently going through in our business so you can apply, you can learn from it, and you can essentially grow your real estate investment portfolio, your business, um, and create wealth for yourself and your family. But let's get into it. So what is this week's episode going to encapsulate? We're going to go over how we solved a seller's problem or how we're trying to solve a seller's problem, making multiple different offers per week, pushing sellers to sign an offer to purchase, and then deferring to the experts. But let's jump on into each um, little topic a little bit more. So solving seller's problems. Let me give you guys an example of what's currently going on. Um, and, and I'll let you know by Wednesday if we can help the seller out. But what happened is I, I went through this property. It's a really nice, actually higher end property in our area. It goes for about three hundred and thirty to 350000 when it's all said and done. And the issue I was facing is um, when the property is fixed up, I wasn't really comfortable on after repair value. And I'm like, we, we only made ten grand of profit on a property in this price point before. And it was a little bit too close to comfort. I didn't want to lose money. So we were very conservative on the profit margin, on the repair estimate, just multiple different factors um, when I was providing this homeowner with a number. So what we did is um, we we're like, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, um, for your property, we can pay you these three offer options like we normal, normally provide, which I've went over in previous episodes. And they were all low. They were about twenty to 25000 lower when the, than what they were hoping for. So here's what I said. I was like, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I understand. If you still want to sell to a real estate investor, what I can try and do is hold an open house event um, where we bring other investors through. I'll agree to pay your price of such and such dollar amount. And I'll try to get other investors through to pay a little bit more and then um, we can still net you that 200 and some thousand dollars. And at first the, the husband, it's a divorce scenario, I'll phrase it as that, the husband was like, well, why would you just come up and agree to our price? And I was like, well, you don't understand necessarily. And I didn't say that to him because that's the worst thing to say to a seller. I was like, no, I, I totally understand the confusion. Um, but to be honest with you, and his name's Dave. I was like, Dave, to be honest with you, I have no interest in purchasing your property for what you guys want for it. So what I am offering you is the ability to help out right now. If we can help, fantastic. If we can't help, you're going to be in the same position you were um, prior to talking to me. But at least it's worth a shot. I know a lot of different investors in this area who might be willing to pay this price for you. Um, so if you guys wanted me to give it a shot, we can hold an open house event. We can see how it goes. I can see if we can assign the contract to another investor and help you out, meet all your criteria and go from there. And that's a learning lesson. I was just trying to add value to them. There's, of course, there's some sort of monetary gain from our perspective because we want to try and create a wholesale fee, but it's very nominal. In this case, we're not asking a whole lot of money. 
for the property. I'm not looking at making 20, 30, 40,000 on a wholesale fee. It's a very nominal amount because I want to truly help this seller. And I know if we properly help them, then they're gonna leave a raving review for us. They're gonna recommend us to other individuals. And that's what I truly am after. We're in the business to help sellers not take advantage of them. So that's how we're solving their problem in the, the first scenario that I wanted to give you. And now, um, going into the next topic of the show, like another learning lesson this week is how many offers you have to make to actually get a property. Like it, it's discouraging, it's Joe and I who are making offers, it's my, or I should say Joe Bryan and I, because we're all making offers on different properties that we come across. In the past week, I want to say um, I made um, two homeowners offers. Joe made, I want to say, two or three. And I'm, I'm talking about like physical offers where we actually go out, we pre-qualify the lead, we go on the appointment, everything like that. Joe made two or three. I made two. And Brian made three. So in, in one week, we made probably 10-ish offers. We didn't get a single one yet. And why I say yet is because it is the master of consistency of follow-up. Follow-up is so, so important because if you don't follow up on those offers you make, heck, the, the person might um, reevaluate their position in a week from now, in three weeks from now, in three months from now, and still discover that they have a need to sell. Like Mr. or Mrs. Real Estate Agent that came through, they were telling them, okay, you need to do this, this, and this prior to putting it on the market. And they don't have interest. They want um, an investor to come in, make them an offer for their property, and close on it in two or three weeks from now. That is what they are after. But you might not be the right fit at that point in time. So it's make an offer. Be cordial on the phone because if they say no, it's not always a no forever. It might be a no for right now. And the follow-up will make you break through the barrier and get you deals. So it is always about the, the consistency, the follow-up, and making consistent offers per week. It comes down to that because um, what I would say is if the, you're a real estate investor struggling to get deals or get deals under contract and purchase property off-market, if you're not making any offers, you're not going to get any deals. Even if it's a verbal offer, which all of ours are until we ink it and we sign it in person, you're not going to make the deals happen. And literally, as I'm recording this podcast, I just got a signed offer to purchase in my email that I've been following up with the lady for three weeks. So that is exciting news, you guys. I am super ecstatic right now. Um, and that is going to be a stellar deal, probably a, a I don't even know what the profit margins are going to be, uh, but they are going to be large, especially if the, the market maintains its consistency. Now, going into topic number three, pushing sellers to sign an offer. And this actually kind of goes hand in hand with um, the, the, <laughs> the lead literally that just signed the DocuSign and I got the notification. So do you push a seller to sign an offer to purchase agreement? And the answer is no. You can... Try and persuade them, but you will not push someone to sell their house to you. And what will end up happening is they will get pissed off that you're trying to make them do something that they truly do not want to do. So how do you convince someone to do this? Well, first off, it's discovering their pain points. So, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you told me that um, you're going through a divorce, you're not able to afford the house, you can't afford to repair the house, 
You want an easy transition. You don't want realtors coming through. You don't want a million people walking through because of the pandemic right now. We can solve all those issues, but we would have to be at this and this price. And they might not like that to begin with. Or they might like that, but they're just a little weary on signing an offer to purchase agreement with a company that they've never heard of. So the next step in the process is to try and build more rapport. You want to discover what the underlying issue is on what they're, why they're not signing the offer to purchase agreement. And chances are, either you have not told them exactly what they needed to hear, you haven't um, uncovered the truth enough, and that's causing them to, to have some sort of pushback against what you want to happen. And now I know Joe is going through a scenario right now with a property owner that um, he is trying to, they, they agreed to the price that we wanted to offer, but their timeline's a little extended. So now when we're looking at the scenario, do we have the gentleman sign an offer to purchase agreement right now and then wait three or four months? Or do we follow up with him consistently until it's time and ready to sign and how much follow-up is needed? That's the issue that we will never know. And it comes down to asking the homeowner, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, when would you like me to follow up with you next? Okay, I can follow up with you in a month from now. And what would you like to see happen in a month from now? Would you want to sign an offer to purchase agreement? Would you want me to just follow up again in a couple of weeks time and just check in, see how things are going? Like, what do you imagine in your mind? What's the perfect case scenario for you? And let them explain because they'll tell you exactly what you need to hear. Especially if they're not willing to sign the offer to purchase agreement on the spot. For example, if um, I went through a property in Appleton one time and they had told me, yeah, another investor is coming through tomorrow at like 3 p.m. And I'm like, okay, well, how much are you asking for the property? They're like, ah, oh, 71,000. And in this case, I was actually able to pay them more than what they were asking. But then that other investor came in and, and paid even more. So in this scenario, it's hard because they didn't allow us to come back and offer more. And that truly was a pretty decent offer that we gave them. However, what could I have done differently? That's what I reflect on. Like, what can I do differently to secure more deals, be a better negotiator, be a better closer? And what I should have done is, or what I should have said is, I totally understand where you guys are coming from. Like, if I provide you with an offer right now, like, would you guys be willing to sign it? And if you're like, no, Carter, we want to hear from this other investor. Awesome, I totally understand that. However, can I then just um, reach out to you after the other investor comes through to see how competitive we might be with them on price and then you can let me know? And that would have at least gave us the shot to come up on our offer to purchase amount. Like I was ready, willing, and able to provide them with an offer on the spot. Like we wanted that property or I wanted that property. I went like on a, a weeknight or weekend at like 5.30 p.m. because I wanted it so bad. And we lost it because I was just, you get overexcited. And it's not necessarily the confidence that comes through, but it's the excitement that comes through. And then the, the seller puts up their guard just a little bit. Like, why is this guy, like he's, he's pushing me to make a decision. Now I'm getting pissed off and I don't want to work with them. And now I need to find someone else to help me out. So do not do that. Do not burn your relationships with sellers who actually like you who already agree that they want to do business with you, um, yet they might be a few weeks or months out. You just want to touch base with them every now and again, every week, two weeks. Ask them when you're, you're asking that question, when would you like me to touch base with you next? Okay, do you want me to text you? Do you want me to call you? Do you want me to email you? 
what works best for you and ask them what their preferred method of communication is. Stick with that method and then just keep the conversation going. Keep building rapport throughout the entire process and you will be sure to succeed. Now, will that always happen? Will they go with another buyer on occasion? Of course, that can always happen. However, if you have the upper hand and you have built a relationship, it might be on the seller's part. You might not have wanted to work with them anyway because they are willing to cut you out of the deal for a few thousand dollars more even when they verbally agreed to take your offer. Now, the next topic and the final topic for this week's podcast, you guys, is deferring to an expert. And what I mean by this is is an expert in any field. Like there's the do-it-yourselfers, there's the people who have no coaching, no expertise, um, and they try to accomplish things, and it's very difficult. Like nonetheless, I give props to them if they do it properly the first time, but chances are that does not happen. What normally happens is a mistake is made or something screwed up and then it ends up costing them financially, emotionally, um, and they, they might never even try the, the subject matter ever again. And in this particular case, we're in the process of purchasing a larger multifamily property. So what did we do? Like we, we put out the letter of intent, we got the accepted offer to purchase contract, we're going through due diligence, and there's a, a few business partners in this property and we decided, we're like, okay, we're just, this is the first property of this type that we're going to be purchasing. Let's defer to an expert, an expert who um, has, is one of the largest, um, and it's a, a mobile home park, one of the largest mobile home park owners in the United States. Let's defer to him, pay him to consult and ask him questions. And that's what we did. I, we paid like $400. We got him on the phone, sent over all the due diligence materials. He went through it with me and he gave his expert opinion on the property. And it was mainly positive. There was a few negatives that he brought up, and but he was straight to the point. He didn't want to waste time. He, his time is very, very valuable. He's very wealthy. He does extremely well for himself, but he does not want to waste his time. So he was straight to the point, which I appreciated so much. But without deferring to that expert, I went to know if it was a good deal. Now, he went through the positives, the negatives with us. He voiced his immediate concerns, and he had told us, okay, is it a good deal at the price we're paying? Is it a mediocre deal? Is it a horrible deal? You should run away from it now. And all in all, it was fairly positive. There's, of course, some negatives, which some deals might have, but we have other ways of attacking the property, attacking the situation that might allow us to turn those negatives into a positive fairly soon after closing. So it's just when we deferred to the expert, we wanted first off the reassurance. And then secondly, we wanted to make sure we weren't making a huge mistake because on the smaller properties, if you lose 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, that's not necessarily a huge deal. It's still very expensive. But on the larger properties, when you lose $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, that is a huge mistake. And that's what we want to avoid because that could mean bankruptcy, that could mean foreclosure, all these different issues that we do not want to have happen. So again, deferring to the experts can be needed, whether it's in the single family space, multifamily space, mobile home park space, or anything that has to do with what you are pursuing currently in your life. 
defer to the expert, even if it costs money. Like we paid, just to give you an example, we paid $400 and I got 20 minutes of his time. Um, and we, we can have more of his time. I can give him a call whenever we need, but 20 minutes is all I needed. So again, you guys, if you have questions, if you're wondering about something with real estate, you're wondering how um, you can, can benefit your life, grow your wealth, grow your family's wealth through real estate, please reach out to me. You can connect with me on social media or any, um, I should say on any social media platform at Carter Crowley. I'm most active on Instagram at Carter Crowley underscore, but I wish you guys the ultimate success and I will talk to you soon.